0: Welcome to the weekly podcast, recorded live at Glory City Church, Brisbane. We hope you are blessed by this week's sermon. Are you happy? Hallelujah. I'm, I am full of the Holy Ghost. And I really believe the Holy Spirit in you is groaning and yearning with delight and anticipation of what he's about to do. You know, I um, was releasing a word at the Voice of the Prophets about the unthinkable, the unthinkable things that the Father is about to do. And, you know, I really believe that the Father is longing to shift us into this new um, awareness of the exceedingly abundantly above all we can ask hope or think he is longing to take us into the place where we become uh, those that are walking in our dreams not just daydreaming about the future but actually walking in what we have been daydreaming and this it's upon us hallelujah in this season of divine acceleration we need to be aware and very focused on what we are looking at because when as the acceleration of his spirit comes as which is being poured out right now as that acceleration comes we will be accelerated toward what we are focused on and if you're focused on Him, on His callings, on His purposes, on seeing Him glorified and lifted up, there will be a divine empowering beyond what you've imagined, beyond what you've seen before. And I, I mean, I can imagine a lot. But if you're, if you're already swimming with your imagination, already looking and dreaming about what God wants to do, then you will be divinely uh, shifted toward what you're looking at and what you're dreaming of. But if you're just, along for the ride. You will be hit by the wave, there will be some movement, but it won't be the maximized acceleration, the maximized potential that God has for each one of our lives. So I really, oh, I've got this sense of urgency in my spirit that it's in this time when the the Holy Spirit's moving, miracles are, are happening. I was very touched by Caleb's word today about not taking for granted what the Lord was doing. As the power of God was moving at um, Voice of the Prophets, people were gasping as you know the power of God was hitting people. And we're like surprised because we're, we're a little bit accustomed to it now. And it, it, I, it I was touched as you said that Caleb, I can't see where you are. Yeah, because it, I felt the same thing. We need to be really careful not to become familiar and not to get arrogant about the move of the Spirit. Um, I remember one day having a dream a long while ago, and um, in the dream, I opened the door and this rooster ran in and it ran through the house. And i was trying to get this rooster out of the house. And I woke up and I asked the Lord, what was that all about? And we'd been seeing God pouring out his spirit, supernatural grows, amazing things happening. And the Lord just said to me very gently, Said don't get cocky. <laughs> ooh. And I realized actually I was getting a bit flippant with the power of God. I was getting a little bit flippant about what the Lord was doing. Oh yeah, he does this, yeah, he did this, another difference, here he did this. Uh, ooh. Stop. Oh God. Oh God. You are so good, you are so awesome. We need to live in this place of holy awe and wonder, hallelujah, so that was a wonderful word, Caleb. (coughs) And all the prophetic words, just such a high standard. Thank you, Dom. I'm gonna get a mint if you can. (coughs) Hallelujah. So I'm telling you all of the things before we get into the message, praise the Lord. Thank you, Dylan. Who loves Dylan? (laughs) We love you. We love you. Hallelujah. So um, I I believe it's so important that in this time that we are very focused and that we are very aware of the privilege that we have. We also heard that there's a movie coming out soon um, called The Jesus Revolution, which really got my prophetic going because we've been talking about this for a long time. was a tremendous move of the Holy Spirit back in the 70s called uh, Time Magazine, which in the late 60s had put out on the front page, God is Dead, uh, on the cover. A few years later, 1976, I think it was, front cover of the Time Magazine, the Jesus Revolution with a picture of Jesus on the front, I was like, yes, it was very cool, God. But it was an, an unignorable revolution that really was happening as, as people were coming en masse to Christ, as they were being saved and baptized and, and finding Jesus, the one they'd been seeking peace, peace all along, trying to find peace. Where's peace? Oh, we need peace. But they found him, and he was a person, and his name was Jesus. Hallelujah. And so. Um, they're doing a movie on this move of God. But, you know, I really believe that as we read about this history, we also um, had a day off. We went to Amy Amy Semple McPherson's house and um, talked with a lady there that took us on a tour who was in her late 80s, and she'd... um, gone through Amy's Bible school, had been in her church with her as her pastor and hearing the stories was wonderful. And the history is exciting. I love history of revival. I love learning these things. But we mustn't idolise it and go, well, you know, that was then, isn't that? But recognise, wow, God did some wonderful things. We honour that. But let's get what we can learn from that because God goes from glory to glory. And God doesn't wanna just repeat what was done. He wants us to go on from glory to glory and strength to strength. And he wants to do more than what we've seen, more than what we've heard, more than what we've read about. He wants to do the exceedingly above, hallelujah. But there are things we can learn from that Jesus revolution. And many of the things that we, we need to learn about is the, the value of fathers and mothers running with sons and daughters. Because with the absence of fathers and mothers, there was a proliferation of a whole lot of cults and difficult things that went on. <coughs> Excuse me. And, um, and then there was an overreaction with the shepherding movement came in to try and correct it and then mess. And then pendulum swings away from that and the church has had a tendency to swing from one extreme to the other but as the other word that the lord has been so significantly bringing to the church at large around the world is family and family has the old and the young dancing together it has fathers and mothers, it has sons and daughters, it has the little ones, the middle ones, the the adults, the grandparents, and they have them together, loving and working and honoring and respecting and drawing from one another, hallelujah. The zeal of youth, the wisdom of age, learning together and and learning what it looks like to be prepared for a harvest beyond what we've ever seen or imagined. Hallelujah. So praise the Lord. Tremendous confirmation and uh, we are just so grateful to what the Lord is doing. Hallelujah. Are you ready? Have you got your Bibles? Praise the Lord. They were fumbling through my bag trying to find my glasses because I've got my small print Bible here and they were handing me my sunglasses. Hallelujah. Which would not have helped. Praise the Lord. We're gonna go to Romans chapter five. Who loves the book of Romans? Father, we love you. Lord, you're so faithful. Nothing is impossible with you, God. All things are possible for those who believe. Father, I thank you. Give us ears to hear and eyes to see. Lord, thank you for your grace. Thank you for your help. Holy Spirit, come. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, we're looking at Romans chapter five today. This is such an exciting chapter. I'm gonna read from the beginning because it's delightful. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God And not only that, but we also glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance, perseverance character, and character hope. Now, hope does not disappoint, because the love of God has been poured out into our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. For when we were still without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will someone die, yet perhaps for a good man someone would even dare to die but God demonstrated his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Much more then, having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. And not only that, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received the reconciliation. Hallelujah. I wanna read it also in the Passion Translation because I think it brings it out really beautifully. Are you okay with this? Lots of scripture, but it's worth hearing. All right, are you ready? It's exciting. Our faith in Jesus transfers God's righteousness to us, and he now declares us, Flawless in his eyes. This means we can now enjoy true and lasting peace with God. All because of what our Lord Jesus, the anointed one, has done for us. Our faith guarantees us permanent access into this marvelous kindness that he's given us. A perfect relationship with God. What incredible joy bursts forth within us as we keep celebrating our hope of experiencing God's glory. But that's not all. Even in times of trouble, we have joyful confidence knowing that our pressures will develop in us patient endurance, and patient endurance will refine our character, and proven character leads us back to hope. And this hope is not a disappointing fantasy. Because we can now experience the endless love of God's of God cascading into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who lives in us. For when the time was right, the Anointed One came and died to demonstrate His love for sinners who were entirely helpless, weak, and powerless to save themselves. Now, who would dare to die for the sake of a wicked person? We can all understand if someone was willing to die for a truly noble person, but Christ proved God's passionate love for us by dying in our place while we were still lost and ungodly. And there is still so much more to say of his unfailing love for us. For through the power of Jesus, we have heard the powerful declaration, you are now righteous in my sight. And because of the sacrifice of Jesus, you will never experience the wrath of God So if while we were still enemies, God fully reconciled us to himself through the death of his son, then something greater than friendship is ours. Now that we're at peace with God and because we share in his resurrection life, how much more will we be rescued from sin's dominion? And even more than that, we overflow with triumphant joy in our new relationship of living reconciled to God all because of Jesus Christ. Oh, so good. Hallelujah, here ends the reading. (laughs) What magnificent good news. I'm currently um, working this month on a manuscript for another book I'm writing called Supernatural Freedom. And that will be released um, with destiny image next year at around 2020, March 2020 next year. But as I'm working on this, I've been really processing, what does it look like to truly enjoy this freedom that God has given us? I remember um, at the beginning of last year when I first started to really think about this book, that I, I was just, we were on holiday for a couple of weeks, which was so lovely. And I was walking and talking with the Lord. I mean, my favourite thing, you know, one of my favourite things, to be able to be alone on the beach with God, oh, talk to Jesus, go for a walk. And I was talking to him as I do. Uh, he's my best friend. He's the one who understands me. Even though I'm so complicated, he understands me completely, Amen. which is awesome. Hallelujah. And he loves me. He likes me. He, he adores me. I don't have to explain myself or excuse myself to him. He just likes me. He enjoys my company. So I'm talking to him and I'm just telling him all the things. I'm a verbal processor and I've found that the safest place to verbally process is with my best friend, the Holy Spirit, hallelujah. And as I was talking to him, I, I was just trying to, to sort out what, what's in my heart. I do this actually at nighttime. I, um, I've been taking just uh, for the last few weeks, I've been taking communion, personal communion myself every night as I go to sleep. And I, I take all the things at the end of the day and I, I, I take the bread and I see what he says about his body. He said that surely he has borne our griefs, surely he has borne our sorrows. Surely he has healed us of all our diseases. I forget not all your benefits, you've taken away all my iniquity, everything about me that's crooked, you've taken it. And I see, I imagine my griefs, my pain, my cares, for he says, cast your cares on him because he cares for you. So I I gather up the cares, what's going on? What's ticking away in my brain? All right, yes, this, this, this. I I pick them up and I I thank you, Lord, that you're taking care of that. I've asked you about that and I thank you for it. And now I see those cares on your body. I see any sickness that's trying to come against my body on your body, not on my body, on your body, because you bore my sickness, you bore my sorrows, you took my shame. Anything that's going on in my heart that I feel heavy about, Lord, I give that to you. Father, for you said that you would give us the oil of joy instead of mourning, the garment of praise instead of the spirit of heaviness. So I engage in divine exchange. I give you the heaviness. I give you the things. I put it on the body. And thank you, Lord, that you already bore this for me. And so I I do this at the end of the night. It's just a great way to, to clear my head before I go to sleep. Otherwise, I tend to verbally process in my head and because there's no one else listening, um, me and my head can go on for a long time. So I don't do that anymore. I'll talk to the Lord specifically and I'll, I'll, I'll do that. And I'll take the bread and then I'll take the cup and look at it and think, wow. You know, water was turned into blood in the Old Testament as a sign of judgment. Moses turned the water into blood at the, at the um, direction of the Father. But then Jesus came and he turned the water into wine because he himself poured out his own blood for my judgment so that I can now drink this wine that, that represents and, and is the, the beauty of knowing that you celebrate our marriage union, hallelujah that I'm no longer under wrath, I'm no longer under judgment, I don't have to be afraid of being a judge and condemned, I'm forgiven, I'm forgiven that there is no guilt, there's no shame, there's no condemnation, and I take the, take the wine and say thank you Jesus. But this day I was walking and talking with the Lord and I realized even though in my head I had theoretically and consciously cast my cares on Him, I'd confessed, all my sins, as far as I could think of anything I have done, I've given it all to him, yet I was still feeling a little guilty, a little condemned. And I'm like, is there anything I haven't addressed with you? Is it, like, what's going on? Why do I feel this, God? And I know we are the just who live by faith, not the just who live by feelings. Thank God, hallelujah. We, we Even if our hearts condemn us, He's greater than our hearts, hooray, yay God, 1 John 3. Just checking to make sure that you're not falling asleep. Awake, hallelujah, to righteousness and sin not, hallelujah. It's a scripture, not just a book, hallelujah. But as, as, I'm, as I was doing this, I began to realize that actually, even though in my head I understand this, in my heart, I was not living the freedom that I understood with my head. I wasn't fully enjoying righteousness, peace, and joy, because somewhere deep in my subconscious, I was still allowing condemnation, guilt, and the thought that I don't quite measure up to rule, even though it was a displaced monarch. It has no right there. was still hiding away, trying to lie to me, trying to cause me to miss out on the abundant life, the free, the, the righteousness, the peace, and the joy that God truly wanted me to live in. It's, it's a little bit like this. Uh, I had a, a youth pastor when we were, I, I think when I was about 17, i just started dating Tom. Maybe I was 18. 18. And... Um, and we went on a missions trip to Brazil with the power team. And um, we went and we ministered at a whole lot of different places and our youth pastor preached and he preached the same sermon at every place. And the sermon was about this circus bear. And the circus bear would, was, uh, lived in this big cage and it would walk three meters this way then it would turn around and it would walk three meters this way. And it would just live its life, pacing backward and forward. And then one day, some animal rights activists um, really were pushing for its release, and they organized for this bear to be released into the wild. So they, they took it out there, they opened the cage, and suddenly uh, the bear comes out, and they all watch to see what it's going to do. Looks around and it walks three meters this way, and then turns around and walks three meters this way, and turns around, walks three meters this way. And even though it was free, it still had the mindset that, hey, this is my confinement, these are my boundaries, this is as far as I can go. And you know, as I was thinking about this, I thought, We have the good news of the gospel. Righteousness, peace and joy in the Holy Ghost is the kingdom of God. It's for freedom that He set us free, hallelujah. And we can say yes, amen, I agree, yes, I agree and still walk three meters this way and walk three meters this way. And I began to realize this was me. I could preach it. I could celebrate it, I could know it, I could write about it, I believed it. But somewhere deep in my heart, I was still allowing a lie to dictate my ability to step into the freedom in the fullness of even my emotions, even my my mentality to actually begin to enjoy it. I'd be like, a little bit like the bear. I'd, I'd start to, to get to the edge and go, oh, I'm as righteous as God. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. I have confessed my sins and he's faithful and just to forgive me and cleanse me from all unrighteousness. I'm clean. I'm righteous. I'm accepted by God. I'm holy. God is love. Love is pure. Love is kind. Therefore, I'm kind. I'm pure. Yes. I'm good. I'm good because God says that in Romans 15 that I am full of goodness. I'm full of goodness because it's no longer me who lives, but Christ who lives in me. Hallelujah. I'm full of goodness. And then somewhere a lie would just start to speak and say, are you really? So you think you're good. Are you as good as Mother Teresa? Oh. Well, you know, I haven't been feeding orphans in the, or given my life to devote my life to feeding orphans of the poor or the poorest of the poor. Are you as good as Heidi Baker? Well, no. <laughs> what makes you think that you're good? I remember what you did last week. How do you define yourself as good? Are you really good? Well, and I begin to realize that no matter how much I did, I could have done more. Well, you know, I I prayed for a couple of hours this morning, but, you know, I could have done more. And this, I could have done more, I could have done better, this dialogue was still secretly going on inside of my heart because I was entertaining a lie that wanted to keep me in the bondage of three meters this way and three meters that way. He wanted to keep me in the bondage of a law mindset that said, "Hey, you're never going you 're never going to measure up you 're never going to be good enough." And as I began to realize it, I recognized, oh, now that I see it, I can confront it." Uh, one of the other speakers at the conference I was just um, ministering at was Dr. Caroline Leaf, and she was saying that you know, when we, when we experience trauma or we have something happen or some lies that go on, if we don't actually allow them to surface, we can't dismantle them and they, they just keep going. And I thought, well, that's so true. So I, as I began to recognise what I was subconsciously believing, I was able to start to dismantle it with truth. I was able to start realising, hey, why do I think like this? Why... It's for freedom Christ has set us free. God wants us to actually enjoy the freedom that he's given us. He wants us to be able to let the joy of what has actually happened to us hit our hearts and bring us into a place of supernatural, supernatural peace and supernatural joy where we experience Genuine peace. You know what peace really looks like? It's when the noise of the lies of guilt, shame, condemnation, regret, fear, anxiety, when the noise is stopped and peace reigns in your heart, Where you get to the place of I can rest in my father's arms, knowing that he has shut down the voice of the accuser and it cannot touch me. Hallelujah. I've been set free from guilt and shame and condemnation. You know what? When someone throws an accusation against you, it can rattle you. But when you recognize that I have the supernatural acceptance of God, when I know that I'm loved and I'm forgiven, that I don't have to be afraid that everything's gonna come unraveled and everything's gonna go bad, because I know my Father is with me, that there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, that uh, no weapon formed against us shall prosper, and every tongue that's risen against us in judgment we will condemn, for this is our inheritance in the Lord. Hallelujah. We don't have to be afraid. Supernatural peace, supernatural love casts out all Now, it doesn't mean that things don't come. In this world, we have trouble. They weren't awesomely kind to Jesus all the time. People said and did awful things, but he maintained a posture of peace. He learned, he knew what it looked like to live in the place of his Father's pleasure. Stephen, is one of my heroes in the Bible, being stoned to death, is in this place of supernatural peace and joy, overflowing with rejoicing as you say, I see him, and he's there waiting to receive me. There he is at the right hand of the Father. I mean... The guy is having stones thrown at his head. He is being stoned to death, and he is supernaturally caught up with an ecstatic joy of knowing, oh, there he is. We have what the world doesn't have. We have a peace that passes understanding. We have a joy available to us that can cause us to be so intoxicated with love that we have to cry out for supernatural strength to be able to take more. Ephesians 3, pray, Paul says, I pray for you that you'll be strengthened with might in your inner being so that you can truly come to comprehend Christ dwelling in your hearts through faith. That together with all the saints, you might be able to comprehend the love of Christ that passes knowledge filled up to overflowing with it. The height, the depth, the width, the breadth. It's beyond a human capacity to be able to emotionally process it. it. So he says, pray for the Holy Spirit's strength so that you can experience it in every corner of your emotion and it bursts through the banks and overflows everywhere you go. That is freedom, where his love is so filling heart, that it bursts the confines and is experienced by everyone you you come in contact with. That's how you become the aroma of Christ, because you're overflowing, because you've been overtaken. God wants to overtake you with freedom, overtake you with joy, overtake you with peace. But you know, the, the key to freedom, are you ready? It's in the Bible. He says, they will know the truth and the truth shall make them free. Jesus then said, I am the way, the truth and the life. In knowing him, in looking to him as our source, he says, my truth, who I am, your savior, your redeemer, I am am the key, I am the door to walking in supernatural freedom on a constant basis. You know, I felt that the Holy Spirit really wants to confront some closed doors in people's hearts today. You might not even know that they're closed. But the lie of the enemy has actually tried to dress up the confinement that you've had your heart in as somehow pseudo-spiritual, as though it is somehow humble not to let yourself really believe and feel and experience that you've been made righteous. In fact, even the word righteous can feel religious and a little bit separated or distant from from our our everyday language. So we talk about righteousness as a concept rather than a reality. So let's replace the word righteous with good. Through and through good. They call Jesus good and he says, why do you call me good? Only God is good. so cheeky. It was trying to provoke them to realize actually he was God. <laughs> but then he says in Romans, Paul says, you are full of goodness. And the Bible tells us in First John that as he is, so are we in this world. That we have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer we who live, but the one who is good who lives in us, he tells us that he's given us a new heart. That he's taken out our old stony heart and he's given us a heart of flesh. He's given us his heart. He's given us a new nature. He has qualified us to be joined to the sun. Light can have no fellowship with darkness. God is light, he is good altogether, perfectly good. Righteous, right, right in every area. Right in everything, in his thinking, in his motivation, in his attitude, in his behavior. He's right, righteous, right, he's right in everything all the time, perfectly good and perfectly right. It seems to us, how could I ever be like that? And that's why we sometimes buy into the lie that we aren't actually there. We're just theoretically there. But God says, light can have no fellowship with darkness. We, we're not supposed to be unequally yoked as a marriage partner. So the father wouldn't unequally yoke his son with anything less than equal. So that's why Jesus was so excited about what was gonna happen. It was for the joy set before him he endured the cross and the joy that was set before him was that you would receive in exchange for your unrighteousness, his gift of himself, his righteousness, his right, his good would be given to you in divine exchange so you could have it and be freely joined to him. And if our heart doesn't condemn us, 1 John 3, then we have confidence toward God, and whatever we ask, we receive. This gift of righteousness, this gift of right, this gift of good, is something that we need to take beyond a head revelation and allow to become something that permeates our thinking, our feeling. Don't misunderstand me, I'm not talking about walking by feeling, but I am talking about letting your feelings line up with the truth and giving yourself permission to experience supernatural freedom, supernatural joy, to actually enjoy joy, enjoy peace, to be able to walk around and say without, you know, going up to strangers and saying, I'm good. (laughs) But actually be able to engage in self-talk and says, by the grace of God, I have been made completely good, inside out good. Oh, hang on, hang on. Yes, it's the Bible. (laughs) It's the good news of being born again if what's the point if you were born again and you're still not good enough yeah. it's time for the church to step outside of the cage of its captivity from lies that has been propagated from generation to generation it's time for the church to actually go and enjoy the environment they've been set in, which is the kingdom of God, which is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Are you enjoying joy? Are you enjoying not being guilty? Or are you entertaining the lies that would like to try to define your righteousness by your performance? He loved to tell you, hey, remember what you did last week? You can turn around and say, remember what Jesus has done for me. He recalls my sin no more. He separated it from me as far as the east is from the west. I now have a pure heart and pure motives. But you did this last week. Praise the Lord. All of my past sins have been washed away by the blood of Jesus Christ. I now have right standing with God. I have exchanged my unrighteousness for his righteousness. And I am not defined by what I've done. But I'm defined by what he's done. Amen. Hallelujah. I think it's time to go beyond being able to espouse it, talk about it, believe it, and start actually applying it to every corner of our emotion, every corner of our experience, so that we can start to become the happiest people on earth. People are supposed to know you, not by your serious glumness, They're supposed to know you by your love. Love is patient, love is kind, keeps no record of wrongs. They're supposed to know you because you look like him. And he is joy, he is peace, he is kindness when you interact with people instead of them interacting with somebody that's still trying to work it all out because I've still got it all going on in my, no, give it all to him and let him fill you with the wine that becomes so intoxicating that you forget the lies and you believe the truth and you step into an uninhibited freedom that actually enjoys what you have received the joy of our salvation. It's time you enjoyed it. It's time you had it, amen? amen? Hallelujah. Father, we say thank you. Lord, you are so faithful. Lord, I ask that this week you'd allow your people to enjoy the joy of your salvation. If you'd allow them, Lord, to enjoy the freedom of knowing you who is the truth that makes us free. The revelation of who you are, let them know you, so that they know who they are, because it's no longer they who live, but you who lives in them. You are the truth, knowing you, allows us to walk in freedom. Lord, I'm asking for a supernatural revelation, supernatural enlightenment of our hearts by your Holy Ghost in the knowledge of you so that we can walk as you have destined and called us to walk, free from fear, free from anxiety, free from stress, free from guilt, free from condemnation, free from fear, and in the fullness of joy that you have ordained for us to have. Papa, we ask for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless.